The home that you worked so hard to purchase or the business that you dreamed of owning deserve to shine. LDJ Cleaning Professionals specialize in commercial, residential, and disinfecting cleaning. We've served Aurora and the Quad Counties with over 20 years experience in the professional cleaning industry. Whether you're looking for window cleaning, disinfecting, or general office cleaning, we offer it all and more. Hire a true professional and call us today at 630-291-5435 or visit our website at www.ldjcleaning.com. We help you protect your investment. Rise and shine. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. Eighteenth, so we are here. Um, we are live. And it's a, uh, a new week. It's a new week. A lot of things going on this week. A lot of things going on here in Aurora, and we've got a lot of things to talk about today. Most importantly, for those of you tuning in, we will be uh, reading, as we promised, the entire House Bill 3653. We'll be doing that here momentarily, getting right to that. Uh, but first things first, we do have news to talk about. So. The Aurora uh, headlines that we have, we will briefly go over those and then we will get into uh, the reading of the entire bill. Want to say shouts out. Good morning, everybody. Aurora, what's up? Oswego, what's happening? Montgomery, wake it up. Wake it up. Wake up. Good to see you. All right. Um, January 23rd until May 22nd, Art and Market Aurora, a great gathering of vendors and artisans. Um, that's happening every second and fourth Saturday at Society 57. That'll be a safe and socially distanced fun shopping event uh, with a lot of vendors. Make sure you save your Saturdays to come on out and take part. For those of you just tuning in, good morning, Aurora. We are live coming to you from the beating heart of downtown Aurora. Kind of a cloudy day out there, a little bit of a chill, but we hope that you are all blessed and having a great morning so far. As promised, we will be getting to the reading of House Bill 3653 in its entirety here momentarily, but we do have some Aurora headlines to talk about, uh, some recent stuff that's going to be going on. Uh, the Aurora Area Convention and Visitors Bureau, the CVB, is thrilled to announce the Aurora Country Club is going to be hosting the 94th annual Women's Western Junior Golf Tournament in 2021, so this year. By June, tourism officials at the Aurora Area CVB. Holy cow, that, that truck made that tight turn. You guys saw that. That was some good driving. Shout out to that truck driver. All right. Um, now, uh, so yeah, anyway, by June, tourism officials at the Aurora Area CVB are cautiously optimistic that the event will go ahead, potentially with spectators. Shouts go out to our friends at the Aurora Area CVB. For those of you just tuning in, this is Good Morning Aurora, coming to you live from downtown Aurora, beautiful downtown, and we will be, as promised, reading House Bill 3653. We're gonna get into the entire bill here momentarily, but we're just going over some of our local uh, headlines here in Aurora. 
Shout out to The Tavern, which is a uh, local pub and bar that just opened on Broadway. And it's right next door to the, I think, the Taekwondo Dojo there on Broadway, right before you get to New York Street. Um, Tavern, great place. A lot of good Aurora history inside of there. And uh, really good shout out to them. Great time in there. They've got a lot of good uh, IPAs and beers on tap. Okay. Now, coming up, the Aurora Public Library has a lot of events uh, taking place. And the most, the, excuse me, the one that's coming next is going to be uh, this Wednesday at 6 p.m., contacting your elected officials. You can learn how to make your message heard. You have to register, as with all of the Aurora Public Library uh, initiatives that we've been telling you guys about. And the next one is going to be Thursday the 21st at 7 p.m., the Civic Education Series County Boards. In partnership with the League of Women Voters in Aurora, this is a session about the importance of county boards and how they impact your life. Registration is required for that, too. All right. So we will begin to get into... Man, that truck driver, look at that dude. Swinging that bad boy. If you are just tuning in, good morning to you. Good morning, Aurora. We are the second largest city's first daily news podcast coming to you live. And we are going to get in uh, to what our fans have been asking us about our listeners, uh, HB3653. All right. So one last thing before we get to that. There was a great event uh, that took place yesterday by a great one. Local group, uh, food group called Strawberries Barbecue, and it went off really well. So shouts out to them and all of the great stuff that they continue to do. Uh, it was really positive. All right. All right. All right. So now we'll get going with uh, HB3653 and reading it. Um and before we start, the the process with which laws are created and things happen, I think all people can agree that there's, you know, it's always taking a long time to do something. It always takes a long time to get things done. And uh, predominantly when it comes to negotiations and when it comes to, you know, changing the law and getting things passed like bills, nobody is truly happy. Um, and perhaps that's just the sausage making of getting along um, in America and making laws and things like that. But when it comes to House Bill 3653, um, we are on both sides of the issue. We have family members who are members of law enforcement, dear friends, and, uh, you know, we're also veterans as well. Um, also, when it comes to the community of social justice we are definitely part of that and I think that reading the bill in its entirety is the best thing that we can do to promote what is actually um, truth there's a lot of things that have been going on about this bill and it's it's crazy when you you know you hear all this but when you read it yourself it just doesn't seem that dangerous all right so before we get into the discussion a little bit more, we're going to define what's going on with certain terms that are really important, such as ending cash bail, okay, and then also qualified immunity. So as we know, the bill does not end qualified immunity, and it also keeps collective bargaining agreements uh, for law enforcement, which were key issues. So 
in that respect, the um, the bill certainly would be something that's looked at as happening with support from both sides. All right. Uh, there's a number of measures to increase police transparency and accountability. That's the purpose of House Bill 3653. So it has different parts to it, okay? The parts are police accountability, detainee prisoner and citizens' rights, military equipment, court reforms, and police licensure, all right? So we're going to take each one of these point by point from the top all right so when it comes to police accountability the measures that are in this bill which has yet to be signed into law are as follows it requires reporting on deaths in police custody it requires police to provide a predicate offense for resisting arrest that is a reason for why an arrested person, or excuse me, an arrest was occurring in the first place. It It requires statewide standards and services for officers to receive regular mental health screenings and assistance while ensuring that counseling and screening services for officers to receive regular mental health screenings and assistance. A job I didn't sign up. And why that could be disconcerting to a lot of people. Um, now, to increase counseling and screening that it's only for your benefit and not, you know, it's not to uh, take away from your service, being a police officer. And screenings, for that to happen, All right, and we're back. We're back. <laughs> we had to get coffee. Um, but require uh, that could seem disconcerting to some. If it wasn't part of 
next point is it requires police departments to participate That doesn't on the face of it sound bad, but we'll on police a duty to intervene in the excessive use of force by it enhances use of force that apply to law enforcement officers to bounce restrictions of the use of force that apply to law enforcement officers to bounty hunters as well. Now you may be asking yourself, there's people out here in conjunction with law enforcement who are armed that are not using uh, the standards of force that police departments are, as you go through your day, think about that. Just think about that. And this is only in Illinois. All right, continuing. It bans the use of certain military equipment and provides guidance on the use of crowd control measures. That doesn't sound bad. Requires the maintenance of police misconduct records and requires the use of special prosecutors and officer-involved death. Need to be a special prosecutor because our standards with our inspector or attorney general, uh, inspector general rather, within a police department are good enough. So we don't need special prosecutors. Uh, but we'll continue. It expands the officer misconduct database. It removes police discipline from the collective bargaining process. It requires the use of body cameras statewide by 2025. So for those genuinely interested in the body cam issue, uh, this bill, if signed into law, would require the use of body cameras statewide by 2025. It removes the requirement for sworn affidavits for police misconduct complaints. That is a key issue. And that is a break that down. What does that mean? It removes the requirement for sworn affidavits. When people would make complaints about police departments, that's what they would need, a sworn affidavit. creates among a lot of people in the law enforcement community the idea that any guy you say something bad to or you rough him up or you push him or whatever you do, no matter how minor, this will increase these people's ability to uh, make a complaint and just start frivolous lawsuits against police officers. Uh, please keep in mind that each complaint launched by a person against a police officer will still have to go through the process of it being proven. And tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews. 
that mean that all of a sudden bad or faulty complaints are just taken as gospel it does not that is not the case so that's one piece of just you know bad information each complaint would still have to go through the process of being you know screened by the court where it's raised so you know a bad complaint is not going to make it all right so that's just the police accountability portion good morning to you if you are just tuning in uh this is good morning aurora we are the second largest city's first daily news podcast we hope you are blessed happy safe strong and motivated this morning good morning to all of you it's 8 15 a.m we are reading house bill 3653 as we mentioned in its entirety uh, if you're just tuning in we just finished the uh police accountability portion of the bill which is still yet not yet signed into law all right coming to you live from the beating heart of downtown aurora it's a uh cloudy day but it's a good monday nonetheless shout out to mocha coffee in north aurora that's what we're sipping this morning shout out sandwich illinois where you at stand up algonquin everybody in illinois montgomery elgin all right moving on this is the detainee prisoner and citizens right portion of the bill again we are reading house bill 3653 in its entirety to determine what is so evil terrible unsafe about this bill all right shout out to ali hernandez yes good coffee from mocha yes shout out to ali hernandez friend of the show united states marine corps veteran in the house ali good morning to you all right um detainee prisoner and citizens rights so several measures in house bill 3653 are aimed at reforming detainee and prisoner rights and to ensure illinois excuse me criminal justice system is fairer for everyone all right first point prisoners and detainees without unreasonable delay sounds good it adds new detainee rights when in police custody including the right to make three free phone calls within three hours of arrival at the police station and before questioning occurs the ability to retrieve phone numbers contained in the cell phone contact list prior to the phone being placed in inventory. Let's read that again. A new detainee right is the ability to retrieve phone numbers contained in the cell phone contact list prior to the phone being placed in inventory. Not sure what's bad about that, but let's continue. It requires conspicuous notice of these rights in police stations and booking rooms. It requires that the telephone number to the public defender or appointed attorney's office must also be displayed. It provides that in the event a person who is in police custody is transferred to a new place of custody, 
his or her rights to make phone calls remain. Wow. Can you, doesn't this seem like stuff that would just be normal? Let's continue. The bill prohibits people with less than four months on their sentence from being imprisoned and allows them to be diverted to an electronic monitoring or another DOC facility or program. However, that's at the judge's discretion. That is, a person who's a threat to society, that's not a blanket grace for them to get out with just four months left. A person in there for driving on a suspended license and a person in there for a gun crime are two different things. All right. It ends prison gerrymandering. The practice under current law of counting prisoners towards a jurisdiction census rather than their permanent address. Some of you may be asking yourselves, this really occurs? Let's continue. The bill makes changes to streamline the crime victims compensation process. It promotes the use of co-responder models and enhances data collection on mental health crisis response. The bill codifies that the use of force by police as a punishment or retaliation is prohibited. The bill creates new requirements in the event police execute no-knock warrants, including that one, each participating member is assigned a body-worn camera and is following policies and procedures. Two, steps are taken in planning the search to ensure accuracy and plan for children or other vulnerable people on site. And three, if an officer becomes aware the search warrant was executed at an address, unit, or apartment different from the location listed on the search warrant, that member will immediately notify a supervisor who will ensure an internal investigation ensues. These requirements are based on Chicago Police Department reforms. So the state of Illinois is just modifying itself to what the Chicago Police Department does. That's an interesting piece of information because most of the time things that are not safe in law enforcement aren't copied by other elements of law enforcement. The time is now 8.21 a.m. You are listening to Good Morning Aurora. We are the second largest city's first daily news podcast. Check out our interviews on Spotify and YouTube. And today we are reading the entire House Bill 3653, as promised for our listeners. We got a flood of emails about it and what did we think. So let's read it together. All right. For those of you just tuning in, we've gone through the police accountability portion and the detainee, prisoner, and citizen's rights portion of House Bill 3653. We are now going to continue with the military equipment portion. All right. House Bill 3653 bans the purchase and use of certain military equipment by law enforcement, specifically tracked armored vehicles. What do you what is a tracked armored vehicle you're asking yourself? Well, for those of us who are veterans, 
it's more of a tread. You know, we're thinking like tanks that have, you know, for shout out Al. Yes. Any Marines out there, shout out to the United States Marine Corps. When we hear tracked armored vehicles, we're thinking of weapons of war. As a citizen, if you hear that the police department has tracked armored vehicles, that may not really, you know, you may not really rile up by that. You may be thinking, oh, you know, it's, it's a tough job. You might need tracked armored vehicles. But tracked armored vehicles on tight streets like Benton and Downer, that would be a sight. Also included, weaponized aircraft, vessels, or vehicles, firearms and ammunition of 50 caliber or lot, or excuse me, or higher, grenade launchers, and bayonets. Let's read it again. House Bill 3653 bans the purchase and use of certain military equipment by law enforcement, specifically tracked armored vehicles, weaponized aircraft, vessels or vehicles, firearms and ammunition of 50 caliber or higher, grenade launchers, bayonets. Law enforcement agencies must also publish notice of any requests for property from a military equipment surplus program. So, moving on, the next portion is court reforms. House Bill 3653 also makes a number of changes that specifically affect how people interact with the courts in ways that aim to interrupt the cycles of recidivism and incarceration in which many Illinois families find themselves. Among those reforms, House Bill 3653 abolishes monetary bail. Now, this is important. This is where we are going to pause and we are going to put a flag in the conversation. What does it mean when you hear that that's the end of money bail? What does that mean? or money bail is abolished. What does that mean? Does that mean that if a person goes into a store, kills the clerk, the judge is gonna say, come back for your court date in one month and don't do it again? No, it does not. No, it does not. That is not what it means, excuse me, that is not what it means at all. Also, what's very important to know is that this practice has yet to be signed into law, and then it would still have a date requiring it to be part of the full statewide rollout. So, the cash bail system is when court determines the amount of money that a person has to pay to get out of jail. That's what it is. To abolish monetary bail is simply to add other ways for people to get out of jail as opposed to strictly paying cash money. Because if a person is too poor to pay for $300 of bail and they're in there for a bar fight, which no one got killed, just a bar fight, they're wasting taxpayer money and they're spending time in jail when someone else would be better fitted to be in jail like hardened criminals. That is what it's about. 
That's it. End of story. Does that mean that no crime can be paid on and judges will stop assigning bail to detainees? No, it does not. And to think so is foolish. All right. So the system basically criminalizes poverty. People who are unable to afford bail are detained while they await trial for weeks or even months. Cash bail perpetuates inequities in the justice system that are disproportionately felt by communities of color and those experiencing poverty. Even a few days in jail can result in people losing their job, housing, or even custody of their children. The problem that Illinois has is that doesn't just apply to people caught for gun crimes, drug crimes, violent crimes. It applies to people who commit no violent crimes at all. All right. HB, excuse me, House Bill 3653 also ends the practice of suspending driver's licenses for failure to pay. It aligns the eligibility for the Mental Health Court or Veterans and Service Members Court with the other specialty courts. I don't know what's wrong about that, but we'll continue. House Bill 3653 modernizes earned sentence credits and shortens mandatory supervised release times for certain offenses. It clarifies the felony murder rule and modernizes the three strikes rule. House Bill 3653 allows the courts to deviate from mandatory minimums and implement alternate sentencing. So what does that mean? If a person is, if a person steals a bike off somebody's property and the law states that because of that theft, he's required to do two to six years in prison. That's basically, as the term goes, what the book says, theft, two to six years in prison. So it doesn't matter if the person is 26 years old and it doesn't matter if the person is 85 years old with a drug habit and attempting to sell the bike to get drugs. Instead of giving this person two to six years in prison, the court will be able to perhaps look at drug counseling, weekends in jail, um, you know, time served because he's too poor to bond out all those kind of things instead of throwing the book at people that's the court reforms section of house bill 3653 for those of you just tuning in good morning to you shouts out Allie, north aurora shout out elgin geneva batavia good morning yorkville what's up plano holla plainfield Algonquin, get it up, get it up, wake them up. The time is now 8.30 a.m. You are listening to Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast, coming to you live from the downtown beating heart of Aurora. And as uh, mentioned, for our listeners, fans, and subscribers, we are reading House Bill 3653 in its entirety.
for those of you just tuning in, we have read the police accountability, detainee prisoner and citizens rights portions, military equipment, court reforms portions of HB 3653. All right. Um, also, for those of you just tuning in, we hope that you are having a great 2021. Uh, don't forget to check out the free events that are going on with the Aurora Public Library. You have to register for them, but we've been telling you guys about those uh, coming up. So coming up on Wednesday, the program will be contacting your elected officials, a follow-up to MLK's day of service. Learn how to make your message heard, the best practices for contacting local, state, and federal representatives. Thursday, January 21st, 7 p.m., Civic Education Series County Boards. You have to register for all of these. February and March, February 12th at 10 a.m., Tai Chi for the Chinese New Year, the ancient Chinese practice of Tai Chi, clinically proven to be an effective exercise to improve health, fitness, and relaxation, will be a program available to adults, registrations required. And don't forget that on Thursday, excuse me, Tuesday, February 16th, 7 p.m., Growing Your Business with LGBTQ Friendly Practices, part of the Fairness and Equality for a Better Aurora series. This is in conjunction with the Aurora Human Relations Commission. Registration is required for that. All right. So let's continue with our reading of House Bill 3653. For those of you just tuning in, we hope that you're having a great morning. And we are reading this bill in its entirety for anyone interested in what's actually in it. Ah, all right. A law enforcement officer could lose certification if they are convicted of or found guilty of a felony offense or some misdemeanors under current state law. House Bill 3653 expands the list of misdemeanors which would prohibit a person from becoming a law enforcement officer or result in their decertification. So the bill gives the Illinois Law Enforcement Training Standards Board the discretionary authority to decertify an officer under certain circumstances. Let me read that again. Gives the Illinois Law Enforcement Training Standards officer under certain circumstances. What is wrong with that? House Bill 3653 outlines the process for receiving and reviewing violations, notice and hearing requirements, and the appeals process. I think that sounds great. Including the state police. The bill expands the state police merit board to seven members. What was it before? Hmm. The bill requires officers to complete training verification forms and implements two new officer misconduct databases for transparency. All right. Now, there is a long list of and if anybody's familiar with bills, they are long. All right. 
Now, the following are misdemeanors that would result in decertification for police officers. Should they be convicted, found guilty, enter a plea of nolo contendere, or be sentenced to supervision, conditional discharge, or first offender provision, which there's a notation of three stars, and the key dictates that it indicates offenses newly added to this bill. Okay. By this bill, excuse me. Criminal sexual abuse, indecent solicitation of a child, child, excuse me, sexual exploitation of a child, prostitution, keeping a place of prostitution, pimping, aggravated assault, criminal sexual abuse, theft, deceptive practices, impersonating a police officer. A person was recently charged by that. Um, that happened, I think, in like Kentucky. Um, keeping a gambling place, offering a bribe, obstruct, excuse me, resisting or obstructing a police officer, escape, aiding escape, harassment of jurors or witnesses, simulating legal process, advances prostitution, profits from prostitution, manufacture or delivery of cannabis, Delibus, excuse me, delivery of cannabis on school grounds. This is an extremely long list, you guys. Bear with me. Uh, solicitation of a sexual act, public indecency, indecent solicitation, solicitation to meet a child, domestic battery, interfering with the reporting of domestic violence. Oh, excuse me. All domestic violence convictions prohibit one from carrying a gun. That is in the bill. Uh, inter, okay, back to where we were. Interfering with the reporting of domestic violence. Transmission of obscene messages, harassment by telephone, harassment through electronic communication, and evidence interference. That should go without saying. Also noted are any misdemeanor offenses affecting governmental function, such as resisting a peace officer or witness tampering. All right. Uh, this next part is key. The following actions could result in an officer's decertification at a court's discretion. A court's discretion, meaning Forget this bill. Forget HB 3653. It is at a court's discretion. The judge has discretion. Uh, the following actions could result in an officer's decertification at a court's discretion. Committing an act which would constitute an automatic decertification if it were prosecuted as a felony or misdemeanor. Using excessive force in violation of state or federal law. Failing to intervene to prevent harm from occurring, including the not knowingly and willingly refusing to render aid when it is reasonable to administer aid and aid is required. Now, this is the section of actions that could result in an officer's decertification. 
tampering with a dash camera or body-worn camera or directing another for the purpose of concealing, destroying, or altering potential evidence. That should go without saying. And who in the world thinks that is going to make Illinois unsafe? Let's continue. Committing perjury, making a false statement, or knowingly tampering with or fabricating evidence. Why is that a bad thing? Engaging in unprofessional, unethical, deceptive, deleterious conduct or practices harmful to the public, including any departure from or failure to conform to the minimal standards of acceptable and prevailing practice of an officer. That sounds absolutely right and perfect to me. Let's read that again. This is the section of the following actions could result in an officer's decertification at a court's discretion, engaging in unprofessional, unethical, deceptive, deleterious conduct or practices harmful to the public, including any departure from or failure to conform to the minimal standards of acceptable and prevailing practice of an officer. I think that sounds absolutely great. So that is the bill. That is the bill. What do you think? For those of you who've been listening since the beginning, what was the worst part of that do you think? You can let us know in the comments. And we are also going to, as we mentioned, so to talk about the body cameras specifically, um, the use of body cameras is statewide by the year 2025. So again, if this bill is signed into law, body cameras are required statewide by the year 2025. Um, you know, resources, are not the same among many police departments. A lot of police departments in Illinois don't have a, don't have money. Uh, there's a lot that are running on meager budgets. Central Central Illinois, Southern Illinois, all that. Um, also, so that's 2025 for the body cameras, and also, give me a moment here. A friend of ours asked to touch on the property portion property no oh so the there's a so in the bill for those of you just tuning in we have just finished reading the entire house bill 3653 but we are going to answer a question about the contact number so how it is is right now one of the things being changed to the bill is that you can make three phone calls within three hours of arrival at the station and before you get questioned. Now this is to assume that you've done an egregious crime and need to be questioned. So you're not here for traffic. You're not here for a mis a mister you know a miscellaneous warrant. You know you're going to be spending some spending a stretch in jail. Um, but for people who are poor and may have the ability to bond out. The other part about the phone is that 
The bill gives you the ability to retrieve phone numbers contained in the cell phone contact list prior to the phone being placed in inventory. So the process is you go to jail, they, you know, they book you, they take your photo, they fingerprint you, all that. And then everything you got, they put it in your property to get back at the end of your stay there. So basically, if the judge says you go home, they give you all your stuff back and then you go home. Or if you get transferred to prison, your stuff transfers with you to prison and it sits in the prison property for your stretch in jail. So how the system works now is if you get arrested and your phone is on like 12% battery, if you can get a couple numbers out, your, if, if you pick up your phone and you can dial somebody, you get one call, maybe two. If you can dial somebody and get somebody, that's great. But if your phone dies and you have, if your bond is $300 and your phone dies, the police will not charge your phone up. They won't give you any juice so you can get somebody to get your little $200 bond and get out of jail. That's why this is in this bill. Now ask yourself, imagine languishing in jail for like two days before you see the judge. Hopefully it's not the weekend. Imagine if your bond is two or $300, when you see the judge, he's going to, oh, you know, bar fight. Okay. Driving, suspended license, whatever. He's going to let you go on an I bond or what's called your recognizance, which says basically you will come to court. That's not going to be an option if you are in there for a violent crime. So all of the scaremongering of that, that's not credible. But the reason why they had to put that in the bill, that it's law or it could be law for you to retrieve your phone numbers and try to contact people before your phone goes into inventory is because for a long time, if your phone dies on you while you go through the jail experience, the police will not plug it in, let you get a little bit of juice, and make that call to get out of jail. Imagine. As you go through your day-to-day, -day, as you do your virtual learning, as you do your virtual work, as you work at Dunkin' Donuts, or you work at the gas station, or if you work at Pet Boys, just think about that. They had to create a law to allow people just to be able to exercise every little chance they could to not go through the jail experience for $200, $300. Because if you get arrested and your phone runs out, you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Imagine. This is, this is what's in this bill terrible but other than that the bill seems great there is nothing in here about defunding police and the job of a strong union is to protect the interests of its members so shout out to the police unions it is their job to protect their members and frivolous lawsuits uh 
under the umbrella of what's known as qualified immunity and uh, the ability to not effectively govern are key issues in law enforcement and those appear to be protected. And that's it. That's it. That is the entire bill. For those of you just tuning in, the time is now 8.46 a.m. It is Good Morning Aurora, and we have just read the entire HB3653. This video will remain forever, and you can come back and listen to it. For those of you who didn't just click the link and go on to ILGA, which is ILJA, um, or the links that we provided, and read everything that's in the bill. Again, key points of the bill that are very important, uh, or rather, um, were the subject of much consternation. Abolishing monetary bail. And prohibiting of chokeholds by police officers. All right. So with that being said, we are going to give a couple more shout outs. We've got a great interview that we are going to get ready to conduct, but we're going to give a couple more shout outs before we go. I want to say a shout out to Treadwell Coffee. Just opened up a new store in Wheaton. Uh, go try them out. They have great coffee. And when you walk in there, tell them good morning, Aurora sent you. Shout out. Um, all, I want to say also thank you to All Spoked Up uh, Bike Store here in downtown Aurora. Great stuff, great asset to the community. Cottonseed Creative Exchange, located at 8 North Broadway. Shout out. Shout out to the Aurora Fire Museum, uh, Regional Fire Museum on the corner of New York and Broadway. Excuse me. Great place. Great place. Also, big shout out to the Aurora Public Art Commission. Uh, they do some great stuff, and this is going to be a great year full of positive things with art. So we look forward to a whole lot more art splashing the walls of downtown Aurora. For those of you just tuning in, uh, we have just read HB 3653, as we mentioned, like that we would uh, to our fans, listeners, and subscribers. You can check out the show on YouTube, and you can also check out the show on Spotify. We are Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. And it is Monday, January 18th. The time is now 8.49 a.m. So, we hope that you guys... Have a wonderful, safe, blessed, and positive day. And we want to give a shout out to all of the wonderful organizations out there fighting for change. Shout out to the Kane County Sheriff's Department and all the great changes that are taking place uh, within the judicial and uh, law enforcement circles inside Kane County and out. Ryan Hayne, big props and all of that good stuff. Shout out to the state's attorney and... Big thank you and love to all veterans in Aurora. You guys have a great day. Peace. Glad to have you on the show. So excited to be here. Uh, for our listeners, mm -hmm. let us know who you are. Yeah, my name is Mackenzie Kirby, and I am both a business owner, entrepreneur, and a regular working person who has a regular job, nine to five. <laughs> <laughs> That's who the show was made for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Busy, busy person. Right. Just like the rest of us. Um, busy, but we're trying to we're trying to make our passion flow. Right. Yeah. We're trying yeah. to make our passion flow. So there's always yeah. energy for like what we're trying to do. Exactly. As long as it's something that you're loving, then it doesn't 
you know, it, and you can manage your time well, then it's not something that's completely overwhelming. Right. Um, that's kind of the other part about the beginning of the show, too, um, mm -hmm. when you ask, like, the, the other aspect of it is that, like, for the person who's still committing their time to what is perhaps paying their bills. Of course. But has that little, you know, you, you're collecting stamps, you're making candles or whatever, like, this is, yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, number one thing is paying your bills. Yeah. And I, I mean that seriously. I, I would never suggest that anyone quits their job. to. I've had people suggest it to me, quit my job to move on to, you know, do whatever you want to do, start your own business, and never, never would do that. I think it's always best to start small and um, do it as best you can debt-free so that you can really grow sustainably. Yeah, and plus we'll know when we're ready to, to make that. Exactly, mm. yeah. I know when it's time to leave. Yeah. Um, all right, so where are you from? So I'm originally from Plano, Illinois, okay. um, and then, you know, after high school, college, I moved to Wakanda, then I lived in Naperville, mm -hmm. and then for the past few years I lived out in Boston, and I just got back to Naperville, Aurora area, um, right, like literally right before the pandemic hit, so I was so glad to make it back in time. I moved back February. What's Boston like? In relation to Aurora? Uh, hmm. <laughs> it's a beautiful city. Mm -hmm. I loved it, but it was very hard to get connected to people. It's a very transient city. People are there for school or um, commuters, and they're just going to be here for a couple of years. So right. um, you have that extreme, and then you also have the people who are diehard. Their family's been in Boston for forever, and you're not from here. So and I they found can it, tell, and they always yeah, tell you this for them. Yeah, so I found it very difficult to get connected. I mean, even in my apartment building, I would rarely even see people. And I was in a 10-story building, and there's <laughs> like no people there right. ever. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a struggle. I'm so glad I did it. It was something I wanted to do since college. I kept trying to move out there and trying, and it just never happened. And then, of course, you know how it is, right when you're like, never mind. Not moving to Boston. That's when it happens. Opportunity yes. and springs up. Exactly. Right. Um, well, what's the took you initially out to Boston? My work. Yeah. Work? So okay. I've worked for the same company for five years, and I was promoted and moved to Boston. And then um, I had another promotion that allowed me to work from wherever. And I was like, I'm going home. Very <laughs> nice. Yeah. And what do you do? I work in international education. Okay. So we teach English to students from all over the world. They come here finish their English skills, and then go on to university or grad school. What's the most rewarding part of that career? Um, I don't know if I would say this is the most rewarding part, but the biggest thing that I learned, or have learned, is growing up when people would say the word worldview, I thought it was just absurd. I was like, no, everyone has the same worldview. <laughs> and then um, my first class I ever taught when I was still teaching was for international education was 15 men from Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh yeah, we do have different worldviews. Totally. <laughs> so I had no idea. And so it's totally opened up my mind to what people believe and how people um, behave and what they value in different parts of the world. Um, now, with with a background in international education, um, have you been or as part of it looking at educational standards in other places and comparing them to, the, to America? And is it part of trying to figure out where we can learn and where they can learn and sharing? Um, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. So our job is to prepare them for university in the U.S. 
which means we do need to know what the standards are in their respective countries mm -hmm. so that we can teach them how they're going to fit in in an American university. Gotcha. Right. Do a lot of students fit in pretty easy? I, I think it's difficult. So there's, when they come, so we have 32 schools in the U.S. and we're on university campuses. They come and they study only with other international students. And at that time, I think they fit in really well. Everyone's going through the same experience of being right. away from home and, you know, learning a new language. And then I think the transition to being with university students can be a little challenging because I don't think necessarily 18-year-olds are the most friendly. No. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting, too, because on this show, well, we have a lot of friends who are... Um, a lot of them are foreigners or have a foreign background. Yeah. Um, and I don't think a lot of people in the United States truly appreciate how uh, mentally challenging or um, anxiety stricken a lot yeah. of people are to try to learn our standards and culture. It's not just so simple as mm. they got to learn the language. It doesn't happen like that. Yeah. And I think, um, I don't want to say that it's to no fault of Americans, but it's a little different in America because we can drive forever and still be in America. Or in other parts of the world, you drive three hours and you're in a different country and you're in a different culture. And so I think it's just something that's completely foreign because, partly because of our geography. Uh, what does America mean to you? You know, I know you asked this question. I was thinking about it a lot. I, you know, I would say freedom and opportunity. And I know that's kind of like a cliche answer, but with the background that I have in meeting international students, I get to see what opportunities they're seeking when they come here because they're coming here for a reason, mm -hmm. not just to learn English. You know, they can go to so many different places to learn right. English, but they come here. Um, and one example that I have of this is I had this student, and I, if I remember correctly, she was from South Korea, and she had come here to visit her sister who was attending university, and her sister took her to a Bible study and totally changed her life and she became a christian i don't know if it was like on the spot but you know pretty shortly thereafter right. um and then she moved home and quit her job in medicine got a student visa came here to learn english to study the bible without telling her family mm -hmm. and i just thought well now that's a that is an example of why people come to america like that is a unique freedom that she's experiencing here um a unique opportunity that she feels that she can grow here and not grow, you know, where she's from. Mm -hmm. I knew a guy, I used to work at a hospital. It's my mm -hmm. first job out in the Navy. I knew a guy who came to America from Ghana mm. to become a cab driver. And I remember when I first, when I first started interacting with him, getting to know him, I thought, America is a land of opportunity. Why would he only want to be a cab? Yeah. And he told me because he knew that if he just started out as a cab driver, mm. yeah. he could then branch out. And then I was like, oh my goodness, right. right. You know, like he was like, just that was an yeah. ability to branch out. And I met him and well, he's a nurse now. Yeah. But, well, uh, see, yeah. there we go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it's something that I think that we often take for granted because we're just so used to it. Like this is the norm for us that we can, you know, work our way up or, or you know, pursue our dreams or whatever. Right. Um, but hearing it from other people and meeting other people and really seeing their lives impacted kind of impacts your own and saying, well, I need to take advantage of, you know, the opportunities yes. that are available to me. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, now you mentioned you live in Naperville currently, is that correct? I live in Aurora, so and, I live okay. on 59, so like right on the border. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout <laughs> out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I used to live on 59 and North Aurora, right there behind the wall. Yeah. Greens yeah. still there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Old neighbors. Yeah. Um, now in the time that you've been here, yeah. uh, what's some of the changes that you've seen take place? Oh my gosh. So I was gone for three years, so which would be like around four years now. Mm. Um, and I feel like the city is totally different from when I left. I feel like, so I lived in Naperville before, um, but I went to school at Aurora University and I feel like the whole downtown is revitalized. I, one of the things that I loved coming back, so like I said, I came back in February, mm -hmm was watching all the Facebook Live, like the Zooms of the city council meetings and right. being in the know, like being able to easily be in the know because I think so many cities struggle with connecting to their constituents and sharing what's actually going on. That's a fact. Yeah, they yeah. do. They do. They're either behind the times in, tech, in uh, terms of the technology they use or the mentality is behind the time. They're still taking out newspaper mm, ads in the yeah. back. It's like nobody's reading that thing. Yeah. Um, but I, um, I'm interested to dig a little bit deeper in that. So that revitalization, what do you think is the main driving force behind this? There's no, no right answer, right answer yeah. to this. I just want to, I'm curious what you think. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know, because I wasn't here kind of when it started, but it was definitely something that I noticed. And as someone who moved, I lived outside of Boston, I tried so many times to get connected within the city, mm -hmm. and it was just impossible. I tried to volunteer. People wouldn't call me back. I tried to sometimes volunteer, or we don't need any more volunteers. Why? You don't need volunteers right. I guess and, you do <laughs> yeah, exactly. like, I don't understand um, and that's not something that I've noticed coming back I feel like if you want to get plugged in it's really easy to get plugged in right. you don't have to search out the right person and hopefully they'll call you back I like I said I feel like it's really easy to get information getting alerts on Facebook from your city about what's going on it's like amazing right yeah um, plus I think, at least for us on this show and the kind of people that we come in contact with, like knowledge is power. Right. So if if you really want to stay up to what's going on, then there's no reason why you know you shouldn't check out the the daily or the weekly posts or sometimes yeah. the hourly posts of uh, things that matter. If you're looking right. for like grants, they have opportunities, all that kind right. of knowledge. Right. Absolutely. Um. So now we've been to Boston. Boston was cool. Now we're back here in Illinois. <laughs> it was alright. Yeah. yeah, it was alright. Uh, now we're back here. Yeah. What's the story of our of what we're planting now mm. in this area? So I came back home, like I said, in February, and then you know the pandemic hit, and it hit, as you would imagine, the field of international education right. very hard. Um, and then I was laid off in May from May to September, and I don't want to say this callously because I know that so, so many people are struggling, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was, I loved it. Those four months were, you know, thankfully I had savings and, mm -hmm. and you know, whatnot financially, I was fine. Um, but it was just an opportunity for me to really grow as a person, to grow with my relationship with God, like to actually focus on that. Um, and then to explore other opportunities and you know I'm back to work now but to explore building my own businesses and yeah it's so fun no yeah I, I 
hey, look, we're realists. Um, yeah. It was, <laughs> brother, we told it, brother lost his job, but um, yeah. went from an apartment to a house. It, not all things are horrible. Exactly. You know, if you've, yeah. got the, if you've got the determination to keep going, right. um, that's what's important. You know, right. lots of things that start off or look like uh, a disaster or a crisis mm. could potentially yeah. have a little bit of a silver lining at the end of it. Yeah, and it's all about your perspective, right? So, I mean, it could have been very easy for me to be like, gosh I'm out of my job and what am I even gonna do like no one's gonna be hiring in my field right now right. but I was just like you know God will know God will take care of me he always has and I'll go back to work or I won't and at that point we'll see what happens and that's just kind of where I left it I didn't feel like I was scrambling to try to find something I really just felt pretty content over the summer um, which was great um, so the high street. Mm -hmm. All right, but how did how did we first of all when did it start? When did we when did the high street begin? So we officially opened in like right before Thanksgiving, so okay. November, Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I wanted to be open for Black Friday. Got it, <laughs> got it. That was the only goal. <laughs> um, Come out the gate with a winner. Exactly. <laughs> Um, and it, the idea really came about because I love secondhand fashion, like I'm addicted to secondhand fashion. Right. And um, it started, the idea kind of started with me thrifting back in Boston um, and like falling in love with that. And then I had visited two stores, one in Boston, one in London, that were secondhand stores. You been in London? my dream. It was Girl, my dream vacation. Us, hold on, you didn't tell us that. Let's go wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right, London. Yes, dream Whoa. vacation. I So I have many Instagram accounts, I'll tell you that. And one of them is I'm very obsessed with the British royal family. So one of them is called Thrifting Like a Royal. That's you? <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> um, and so I finally, my mom and I went to London in 2019. And it was, I can't even tell you, it was the best best vacation of my life. What did you like about it? Well, I mean, like I said, so I'm addicted to the royal family. Sure. So seeing all of that, right. seeing the palaces and whatnot. Um, but my favorite part was Windsor. I went to Windsor, which is Castle. about an hour, yeah, yeah, outside of London. And, you know, I lived in Boston and I thought Boston was old, but seeing this, it was like, felt like you were on a movie set, but it was real, yeah. <laughs> you know? So it was um, very cool. I've not been to Europe or uh, the U or London or, you know, Britain. Um, I really want to go because I'm a history dude yeah. and I, I want to see those cats. I want to see that. Yes. I want to, yes. I want yes. to see that. I want to walk into Literally standing on the grave of King Henry. It was right. like, what? This, yep. This is the guy I see on TV. Like, who, who are now? Guess what, King Henry? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, now, the iconic parts of a, uh, of a London or a British trip include the um the red phone booth did you of course i did yes okay. i had to there was one right outside of our hotel <laughs> uh what were the hotels like as opposed to america i feel like they they yeah. would just crush okay so, american hotels so, we'll get back to high street i promise yeah, yeah. <laughs> um my mom was terrified to travel abroad no we've been to like mexico and can't but like going across the sea it was like totally different to her so I was like, London's perfect. So it's pretty much like America. Let's just go there. Right. Um, and the in-between was we would stay at a Holiday Inn. <laughs> so we're, we're familiar with oh, Holiday Inn. <laughs> Americans. 
So, but the one thing that was really different were the size of the beds in the room. It was tiny. And I would say not even twin beds. It was smaller than two twin beds. But Damn. I loved it. It was... I would, my mom was like, do you think they have any king beds? And I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> I think that this is kind of the norm. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it was really cool, and um, it was perfect, perfect vacation. What were the people like? I mean, the people we met were nice. I've always heard that people are not so nice, but I think, you know, ours were cabbies and stuff, so they wanted good tips. <laughs> right, yeah. Where are you going, Mike? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, okay, so back to High Street. Yeah. Now, thrifting. Yes. The culture of thrifting and everything like that. Mm. Um, that's what you love about it. Mm. And uh, thrifting like a royal. So did you, you, so you basically took what you were already familiar with and liked and started to incorporate on your own. Is that pretty much it? Yeah, so thrifting like a royal came about. Um, there's this whole segment of people on the internet. You know, there's tons of different segments on the internet of people who dress exactly like Kate Middleton or Meghan Markle, mm -hmm. buy the exact same clothes. Um, and I wanted to do it differently, and I wanted to thrift outfits that looked like theirs. Okay. And so that's really where I kind of cut my teeth in thrifting and like learning, which sounds a little ridiculous, but it is, <laughs> it is a skill right. insofar as you have to be able to look through, you know, 200 pieces of crap to find the one that's like this is amazing this is worth something right um it also would be a skill to take what you find yes and be able to make it pleasing to match it accessorize yeah. with it exactly well. yeah um so with that being said what is it about thrifting mm. what makes you smile like that when you <laughs> when you Funny. Actually, my mom said, after your interview, do you want to go thrifting? <laughs> and I was like, of course I do. <laughs> yeah. um, I think there's a couple of things. There's, of course, the sustainability aspect. I'm really interested in that. I think um, in order to be someone who practices sustainability, it needs to be something that you like to do. Right. Otherwise, you're not going to keep doing it. So there's that part. Um, there's also the thrill of the hunt to find something that's amazing. So, for example... This sweater is 100% cashmere from Scotland, and this has a royal decree on the back of it that says, by Her Majesty the Queen, and this was thrifted. And so, like, to be able to find those really unique mm -hmm. pieces that you would never find going to the mall, for example. Right, right. Um, <clears throat> I feel, not as a person with a background in thrifting or a thrifter, mm -hmm. I feel that... Uh, People who have the ability to go thrift and find those items and make style and fashion mm. as opposed to buy the newest, hottest, most expensive yeah. item. Yeah. That's where creativity lies. Is sure. that a fair statement? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Definitely a lot of creativity, um, especially for how you incorporate it into your own wardrobe and you know something specifically about the high street that i really appreciate is sometimes i think when people think of thrifting they think of a couple of things one um you have to do it because maybe you can't afford other clothes or two people who thrift are only thrifting so that they can look like they're from the 80s or you know because it's trendy they want to look like they're from a different era and i feel like that's not the only way to shop secondhand you can look really polished and put together and chic but still do it secondhand. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't um, 
Yeah, it just doesn't even sound. I guess because like I I see the the style in it, and I mm. see where you know like the the fresh sweaters and all that, you know. Yeah, yeah brothers yeah. like to look at too, you know. <laughs> I, I see that, so I, I definitely see the like. I don't. I've never seen it in those kind of pejorative oh, ways. Interesting. Yeah. Never. I've always thought it's been pretty cool. And I think it's also different generations. So like my mom, when we when I started thrifting, uh, it was not something that she loved to do because growing up. Um, I don't know if she had to thrift. I, I, you know, I don't know, but it was not something that she was interested in. Like she did not. If I'm gonna buy an eight dollar sweater, I'm gonna buy a new eight dollar sweater than rather than one that's thrifted. Now she's addicted to thrifting and she loves it because she loves finding really cool things. Mm -hmm. um, so I think people have different backgrounds. You know, one of my bosses has talked about how when she was growing up, she was an immigrant. Um, she had to wear thrifted clothes and for that reason she would never do it again and so I think people just have different backgrounds and different experiences with it yeah we grew up with not a lot of money so all the clothes came from my cousin I was thrifting early there you go like yeah your cousin wore that you'll grow into it like oh <laughs> yeah. new style um, now the high street where's mm -hmm. that name come from how'd you come it up with it comes from England oh that's okay <laughs> yeah. alright so we stayed when we were in London we stayed on Kensington High Street um, and shopping like the main street in England is called shopping on the high street. Ah, uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> see, these are those things you find it. Mm, exactly. Did not know that. <laughs> Kensington High Street. Yes. I like British culture. I like the, uh, I like the accents. I love great British oratories. Mm. Um, I love Prime Minister's questions. <laughs> Uh, I'm a junkie for LBC, all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, I feel like your kind of style or niche of thrifting, though, is a little bit different here in America. Because I looked at some other thrifting sites and people have contacted mm. me like a couple of the pages, but yours has a different flair to mm. it. I noticed that in your posts and your pictures, you have uh, a lot of them, when I'm mistaken, have a white border. Mm. I think that adds a different dynamic. It looks really good. Thanks. Um, the stuff that you do, it's like I said, it's visually stunning um, you. when you look at it. What is style to you? I think that you know, everyone has their own personal style. Um, but for me, it's more something that's not going to go out of style. So if you go to the high street, there's not a lot of stuff that is on trend. Um, it might play with the trends a little bit, but I don't like to buy things and I don't want people to buy things for me that are going to be out of style next year. So for example, um, something that's really on trend right now is big shoulders and big shoulder pads kind of like the 80s like y'all playing football exactly <laughs> and so you know in my store that's not going to be there but it might be something that has like a little bit of ruching so it's a little bit interesting and plays with the trend but in a way that you can still wear it for several years when that goes out of style hey i you're right i like that Thank you. People have always said, why don't you talk about this? Why don't you? Because everybody talking about this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They do over here doing this. Like, that, that's, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> why don't you add this to your show when you get them? Exactly. Yeah. For me, it's all about, um, you know, I said it earlier, but feeling polished and put together, but also being like super comfortable. So right. um, I work from home right now, so I want to be able to do a Zoom meeting and like kill it and then go for a walk and not change my clothes like that's that's the style that I'm going for <laughs> um, is it true 
that pride in self-appearance boosts or enhances a person's quality of life? Um, a person's quality of life? Maybe not I don't quality know, of life, but how but they feel. I think it definitely makes a difference. Um, Y'all ain't gonna get rich because you got a nice sweater. That's that, you know, not what yeah, I meant to yeah. say. <laughs> I think, I mean, there's a difference between it taking care of yourself and vanity. And I think, um, I feel like that's actually something a lot of people learned this year with the pandemic. Oh, you know, people went through the whole phase of, I'm not doing anything for the next four months. And then, you know, I kind of feel not so great, mm -hmm. you know, wearing pajamas all day, every right. day. So maybe I'm going to put on some pants today. Like, right. You know, I, so I think that there's like a, a good in-between. I like that. That's very cool. Now, where is, now you're located at... Painted Tree. Yep. Painted right. Tree Boutiques on Route 59. Okay. Where on 59 is that? Right by Portillo's. So you can pick up your hot dog and then come into the store. In that lot right <laughs> across from there. Yep. Um, that was a baby store at one point in time. Or there was a... I think... It, it's on that side of the street, right? It's on the same side, same parking lot as Portillo's. Okay. I think it used to be a Marshall's back in the day. Oh, that store. Okay. Yeah. yeah that building. Yeah. Oh, all right. That's where it's at. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Uh, what's the hours there? Tend it. Eight, yeah, 10 to 8. Yes, 10 to 8. Okay. Yeah. Monday through Sunday, so the whole week. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, do you have a website? Mm-hmm. Yep, thehighstreetboutique.com. Um, and it really just has a lot of basic information about how, like, you know, who we are and what we do and then how you can shop at the store. So there's really two ways you can shop in person at the store. And then we also do Instagram sales once a week. Okay. What do the Instagram sales consist of? Those are live? Sales? So those are via Instagram stories mm -hmm. and it's typically on a Sunday where I will just pick several items from the store and do videos of them and you know what the size is, what the brand is and what the price is. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. All right. You guys are getting that, right? Yeah, that's right. On Sundays. <laughs> um, now, what's some hot items? For the store is definitely sweaters. Cozy sweaters, cozy, chunky sweaters, cozy, thinner sweaters, uh, cashmere, mm -hmm. a lot of sweaters. Okay, all right, <laughs> sweaters are good. Um, and do you have favorite colors or do you have favorite um, stuff? What are they? I'm very neutral. I wear a lot of neutrals and that's what you'll find in the store. So it's black, white, um, gray, and like blush pink. Those are the only colors in the store. So. Um, I like a lot of neutrals because you can mix and match, and once again, they don't go out of style. Yeah, I like, yeah, it's kind of like my mood all the time. You know, nice little polo, yes. just black, like gray, right. right, exactly, yes. yeah. The green jackets and the hats and all that kind of stuff is <laughs> weird. Yeah. Um, so, so what's next? What's next for McKenzie? Yeah. And what's next for the high street? You know, so we've been open for two months now, and I'm just like really looking forward to learning the industry more and growing in the boutique um, and building the online presence. So I have another store actually that's an online store only, and so this one is retail pretty much mm -hmm. only, and so learning how to kind of bridge both of those gaps. What besides fashion is mm -hmm. important to you in everyday life? my relationship with God and growing that. I mean, that's more important than, than fashion. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, but re and really growing that and trying to challenge myself in that area. How has, um, how has 2021, as recent as it is, um, impacted you differently from last year? Or has it at all? 
Um, I don't know if I would say it's impacted me differently. I feel like myself and so many other people just have a different perspective, you know? So when I started 2020, my job was everything to me. Now don't get me wrong, I love my job and I love what I do and I'm very grateful for the job that I have, but it's no longer everything. I have other parts of my life that I really enjoy. Um, what's your message to anyone who'd be uh, considering starting up a, uh, a boutique or going from or at that level to where yeah. a boutique is the next thing they're thinking about? Yeah. Um, I have a couple of messages, I would say. So the first is, and I might have said this earlier, but to start small um, and to do it debt-free because you don't want those chains and around you of right. having debt and people that you're accountable to. Right. Um, and the second is really focus on who your intended customer is because I think with fashion, it's so easy to be like, oh, but I love that too and I love that and I love that. Let's put this all in the store. And then it doesn't really make sense. So if you're really specific about who your customer is, then everything that you're selling will be really cohesive. Who is your customer? My customer, to be honest, is someone who's just like me. So someone like in their early 30s who's a working professional, probably works from home and wants to like, you know, feel really chic and polished, but also super comfortable. Comfort is more important than, uh, excuse me, comfort is more important than uh, style? For me, <laughs> for me, yes. Um, you know, I think it, at different parts of your life, it, it might change, you know? Um, and also depending on what you're, what you're doing every day. But at the phase of the life that I'm in right now, I'm working from home every day, so I can't afford to feel comfortable but still, you know, look really put together. Um, if I was working, you know, on the hill in DC, I might not feel so much like I want to feel comfortable. I might want to feel like I'm really powerful. Right. And I said, y'all gonna vote for this bill. Exactly. Respectful. Exactly. Well, my best brooch today. <laughs> exactly. Um, who are some of your influences? Um, I mean, definitely my parents. Both of my parents have influenced me significantly. Um, I've also, I also have really good friends who encourage me to like take things a step further, um, especially in the last year, mm. which is great. Right. Step it up, girl. Yeah. yeah motivation. Exactly. Motivation. <laughs> um, are there any icons of style or fashion mm. that you ident uh, to uh, identify with? Or so like? naturally, I have to say Kate Middleton and Meghan Markle. Okay. Right. <laughs> so um, I, Kate Middleton was my first interest. I mean, I remember watching the royal wedding at like 2 a.m. or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, must have been like 10 years ago um, and then Megan came on the scene and totally changed royal fashion and so changed them. well number one obviously she had a very American look to her in the way that she dressed um, wearing a lot of American brands a lot of uh, I mean she had a style evolution when she was in the royal family but um, starting off with like very casual California vibe as opposed to traditional royals were very buttoned up, very bespoke, very, um, you know, pantyhose, everything mm -hmm. all put together. So the two of them, I think, are both a big influence on my fashion. You notice those things when you're looking at these? Of course I do. <laughs> Fellas, we got to step up our, you know, we got to step it up. When I, now, to be, when I see uh, Kay Milton and even Princess Diana. Yes. 
even if I go back to some of the uh, old footage of the royal family mm. uh, in procession yeah. and things like that, I look and I see the the uprightness of mm. the uh, uniforms on the men. Mm. The hats, the mm. royals always seem to have it with the hats and yes. then the, the, the lace thing yes. that's kind of up here. Um, the handbags. Yes. I'm looking at that, but I've never been able to identify what that actually is. If mm. that's a California style mm. or things like that. Where'd you get that ability or is that just from years of doing it? Just, yeah, practice. Right. Practice. Um, and Princess Diana is actually really interesting too because if you look at pictures of her from different parts of her life, her fashion is very, very different. So once she, immediately once she left the royal family, she wears what's called the revenge dress right after she gets divorced, which is a really sexy black dress. From Charles? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super short. But then after that, she sells all of her clothes um, for, you know, donation. And she starts wearing like jeans and a t-shirt and really focuses on philanthropic work. And it wasn't so much about the show of her being there. So it, fashion has a really big impact on people. And it, it's something that we don't really think about, but it's kind of, um, underlying messages oh definitely yeah definitely um jeans blouse but like heels yeah okay she, you know sign a thing for the kids like sporty fashion hip with it kind of thing yeah, yeah those are well, all messages and i'll bring it back to something not to get political but nancy pelosi nancy pelosi wore the same jacket and necklace combination the first time she impeached trump and the second time she yes Yes. That's on purpose. I it's read Salon. Yeah. Shout out to Salon. I do like Salon. Um, but no, yes, that's that is true. Mm -hmm. That is very true. Um, this is a good conversation because on the show with a lot of our interviews, we haven't had many fashionistas um, on. We got to do more of yeah. this because I really like the. Um, the clothing and fashion aspect. Sure, yeah, bring more on. I really do. Um, now, I want to ask, what are some of your, you are independent with your style, mm. uh, but what are some brands that you do like or have liked? So, interestingly enough, I'm not really into brands okay. so much. Right. I'm more into And products. I apologize if that's, a, if that's a silly question. No, it's not a silly question at all. You know, for the high street, I buy brands because I know that people like brands. Right. Um, but for me, I'm not really interested in brands so much. I'm more interested in fabric quality. So I like to buy cashmere or 100% cotton or 100% wool and, and really stick to like natural fibers. Right. Yeah, you don't want that. Yeah, that's right. I mean, <laughs> it, itchy skin, all yeah. those kind of things happen with the... There you go. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so one last question before we end, mm. um, end the show. You mentioned that... For you, starting small yeah. and being um, debt-free mm. are two of those are two the two most important things mm. to anyone who would start. Um, do you will you grow out of the um, painting trip? I've never been there, mm. but uh, plans to have your own store or is your online presence taken? Yeah, I mean that's the dream. And what's your work-life balance like? Yeah. What's what's happening? Yeah. So a couple of things. So I mean, my dream would be to have my own location. Right. But the painted tree was the best of both worlds for me because it was the first opportunity for me to have a retail space while I still have a full-time job because it's fully right. staffed. They take care of all the sales. They take care of all the sales tax. So it was really the best of both worlds for me. 
um, and still is. So yeah, at some point I would love to grow into my own retail boutique and I don't really know what the marker is for me of like what sure, I would sure, make sure, that. Sure, sure. Um, but in terms of work-life balance, I really have like a couple of days a week that I work on the business. Um, and then the rest of the time I don't. And so, you know, things like social media, all of that's set up way in advance so that I don't have to be doing that every day. You know, I'll go in and like my own post, but <laughs> that's right. about it for, for on the daily, you right. know, everything set up beforehand. Um, and so that's really helpful to make sure that I'm not, you know, burning, what is it, burning the candle at both ends mm -hmm. all the time. Right. Because uh, that's important, too. Yeah. I think that's another thing that a lot of people did discover. I discovered yeah. with uh, with the pandemic. Like, yo, I was, oh my God, the time that we were spending. Um, I used to work downtown mm. uh, before the escape room. I used to work downtown. And, like, could you imagine, like, taking the train five days a week, catching the 627, working eight to five, back and forth, all to realize that when the pandemic comes, you could have been doing that from home. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. $217 a month in Metro tickets. Yeah. Like, crazy. Yeah, I think that some people, I mean, like I said, some people are really struggling, and I feel for them. But some people feel like they've gotten their life back a little bit, you know, with not having to do those long commutes. I mean, when I was in Boston, I was commuting because I was driving. I only lived eight miles away, but it was like an hour and a half drive. <laughs> Damn. It was crazy. Um, and then when I, even when I came back here and was working from home, because of everything going on with the pandemic and we're, like I said, 32 locations in different states and different universities, every university was doing something different, every state was doing something. It was just nonstop to the point that I literally hit my head on the garage door and started bleeding. The garage door, which means I just didn't know that it was not high enough up. And, you know, that's an extreme circumstance. Right. but. That kind of work is not really, you know, good for your soul. I no, think, it's not. You know? No, it's not. Um, so the show ends on a positive note. Okay. Uh -huh. What is your message to the people of Aurora, starting off on this day as we go into our week? Hmm. I would say just enjoy your life. Do the small things every day that make you enjoy your life. Like for me, it's lighting a candle in the morning. It just feels like so bougie to me to light a candle in the morning. And it just kind of sets your, the tone of the day. So do the small things every day that you really enjoy. I like that. Very good. Good message from uh, Mackenzie from the High Street. Thank you. Owner and CEO, founder, <laughs> all that. That's right. Ed Hancho, the leader. <laughs> um, well. To all of our listeners, fans, and subscribers, we really appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, hope that you got something out of this great episode. Um, don't forget to check out everything the Aurora Public Library has going on and also um, tune in to or watch what the High Street has going on as well, including online Instagram shopping on Sundays. Yes, thank you so In much. the Instagram story. That's right. And check out thrifting like a royal <laughs> on the gram too lighten the gram up and um, stop by the painted tree that's right yeah please stop by there's so many great things there so many great things beyond my stores it's just a really incredible place nice all right on behalf of the second largest city's first LA news podcast you guys have a blessed positive and peaceful day holla <laughs>